Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the Joni Loves Chachi spinoff to my happy days, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I mean, I see where you're going with that one, but that was a stretch. <laughs> you see, it, it'll all come around. It'll no, I, I get it. Around. I get it. I see where it's going. I see and, and, it's going. And, and not to say that the joke is the quality because of all the Happy Day spinoff, Joni Loves Chachi is the funniest named. It is the weakest one. This would be more like the Mork and Mindy or uh, the Laverne and Shirley. But that's not as fun as Joni Loves Chachi. So we're just going to roll with it for humor. <laughs> what movie is it that they make a, a crack? Joni Loves Chachi. Oh, I remember that delivery. Right? Right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to look it up right now. We need to have a nice, succinct podcast, Jonathan, because Dragon Quest Builders 2 comes out on Friday, and I need to have this done before then. So move on. Move on. Yeah, no, it's stuck in my head. I got to. Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Oh, yeah, dodgeball. dodgeball. All right. Well, moving right along. As usual, we want to kick this sucker off with a big old thank you to over to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on and the servers humming and whatever else magical is happening in the background. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And if you want to become a patron, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to patreon.com slash forgotmydice and get yourself signed up. There is some exclusive content there and more coming soonish. We have to plan something out. Yeah, we do have to. It, our schedules are so messed up. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of months. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. And uh, I just want to take a pause right here and say uh, goodbye, Gina. By the time you hear this, I will be gone four days into Dragon Quest Builders 2. Wait for me, my love. I shall return. Also, Jonathan, happy National Corn Fritter Day. All right. Let that go for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what a corn fritter is. It appears Can't to say that I do either. I know. I know. It's probably good because it's deep fried. Anything's good deep fried. If you could somehow deep fry coffee, it'd be delicious, I'm sure. But yeah. God, this might be the worst Wikipedia page ever. Corn fritters are fritters made of corn. <laughs> well, you don't say. <laughs> That's amazing. What a shocking revelation. Corn fritters are fritters made of corn. Okay. Seems legit. Makes sense. I'll allow yeah, it. I'm, I'm going to allow it. <laughs> I don't have anything better to go off of right now. They're like little corn fried pancakes. They're like a potato latke, but made out of corn, it looks like. Yeah. Don't they have like corn in them too? I mean, I'd imagine with a name like corn fritter that, yes, corn is probably a primary ingredient. But not just like corn meal, like corn all around. Like, like there's corn. Kernels corn of corn. Everywhere. Corn everywhere. Corn everywhere. It's the corniest conversation I've ever had. Moving on. Wah, 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 wah. You love it. You want some more of it. So, Jonathan, you dared us last episode to remember fun liquor facts for a new segment on the show I like to call Jonathan's Fun Liquor Facts. Jonathan, give us a fun liquor fact. Oh, geez. Uh, you didn't have me prep for this. That's not good. I know. I'm putting you on the spot because you dared us to in the last episode. You dared us. You yeah, said, you if a, we remember. a particular liqueur that you would want to uh, learn about? I can tell you what the world's most popular alcohol is. There, there you go, Jonathan's fun liquor facts. Lay it on me. Universally, vodka is the world's most popular alcohol. That would make a certain amount of sense. It's it does, doesn't easy it? to make because, you know, potatoes. Good times. Yeah. Good times. Well, and it's also it, uh, it it's it's used as a good mixer because it adds punch without adding flavor. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So you you see it you see it in a lot of beverages. Okay, makes sense. It is now time for our off the shelf segment. This is of course the segment where we tell you about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelves and onto our tables, and more importantly, Robert, into our hearts. Now you know who's been busy with with their off the shelf, dude. Ray Ray posted this epic epic list it is wow yeah he did it's i i think there are more paragraphs than i have fingers uh, on this on this laundry list of things he's been up to that's impressive but yeah he played uh most importantly and this is this is where i will give you a round of applause a tip of the hat ray you played fury of dracula with painted minis that is high class right there bravo that is good stuff bravo that is good stuff well done well done 
Golf clap, golf clap. Around the world. Around the world. Now we need to add, add an applause sound effect for that. That is that is extremely well done. You know what? With Dragon Quest Builders 2 coming out on Friday, guess who's not going to look that up? Because he needs to get this finished before Friday. Which is why we're recording early. And that, that that's dicey, people, because uh, my anniversary is tomorrow. So so I got like three days to bust this out. So yes, bust it out, Jonathan. Let's get us off the shelf. Sorry, Ray. We're not going to go over everything. I, I love you. Oh, he played Root and my little scythe. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merchants and Marauders. Oh, that's always a classic. I love that game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, and he played uh, Time Agent, which is something he's had on the shelf for at least six to eight years. So good on you, Ray. Good on you. I guess I did go down your laundry list. Well, let's start out with movies and TV, Robert, because that's the freshest. I hardlined in under 24 hours, which is something that I do not generally do the entirety of Stranger Things Season 3. Oh, my God. Congratulations. I'm only in episode, episode five is next, so I'm right in the middle. I love that show so much. I love that show so very, very, very much. It is so much fun. Season three so far. Should we save this for the end of the segment so we can do a spoiler-filled one? (laughs) Well, we should save it for a couple episodes from now. Like, at least two episodes from now. Give people a chance to watch it. I will not say anything more other than I'm impressed, I enjoyed it, and I think that the, some of the character development Looking at you, Steve. Some of the finest I've seen in a television show. Oh, God. Babysitter Steve was the best. Okay, so my daughter finally got old enough that I felt comfortable letting her watch Stranger Things Season 1. Because she's watched all of Doctor Who. It doesn't get much worse than that, honestly, in Season 1. Except for the Demogorgon, I guess. Although I forgot how violently um, that dude dies at the end of Season uh, 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 2. Will's mom's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When the the dog jumps up on him. Yeah, that was... We we haven't gotten there yet with her, but I'm like, we may need to skip that part. Because I I caught it. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, oh, yeah, that was gory. I forgot about that. Because they they replay it in 3. Yeah, no, but I know it's longer. I know you, like see it happen very very graphically and yeah anyway anyway so we're watching season one with her and and she's having a good time you know she likes 11 she likes all this stuff and and that's fun so i remember a couple episodes ago i was kind of poo-pooing a little bit on the stranger things starter set because i said you know it's it's don't get this because you're you, you know it's not it's not a D thing it's a starter set like you're gonna be disappointed if you want anything other than a starter set so we got to the last episode of stranger things season one and they're playing D and and they mention this laundry list, like, you know, they defeat the Thassel Hydra, and they say, what about the Power Princess and King Tristan and blah, and blah, and blah, and blah. And I realized, holy crap, that was everything that was in that starter set adventure. That's the adventure it's supposed to be. The one that they run at the end of, you know, in December, at the end of season one. Nice. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm like, you know what? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and give that one a slight step up on the rating because I... I wish they could have spelled it out which adventure it was because I just assumed it was the one at the beginning for some reason. But no, it's the one at the end, and it was and it had every element. It had King Tristan, it had the Power Princess, it had the Thessal Hydra, it had everything. It was quite good. So yeah, yeah, bravo! It's a much better starter set than I thought it was. So there you go. There you go. There you go. That's it for me on movies and TV. I haven't had a chance to watch anything else. For me, sitting down and watching eight hours of anything is is uh, it it shows the quality of the show that I made it happen. Uh, well, let's see. Last weekend I went out with the the daughter because she desperately wants to see the new Spider-Man movie. And I'm like, she's not going to get the Spider-Man movie if she doesn't see Avengers Endgame, which she hadn't yet. So, uh, we took advantage of it getting re-released to try to beat Avatar and we went and saw Avengers Endgame. Oh, so you've seen all the extra stuff. I haven't seen it yet. You know what? The showing I did, maybe it wasn't that because it didn't have anything at the end. So I guess it wasn't that showing. It was at just the random Megaplex. So maybe they were just having a long run on it. I, I don't know, but whatever. Regardless, we watched it again. I watched it again. And uh, yeah, it's a good movie. They they telegraphed what happened to Steve and Tony real hard in that. And I think we can't talk about that more because we haven't d- done a spoiler tag. But yeah, second viewing was very fun. And and the daughter had a good time. And she was very happy when Peter, uh, Peter Parker came back from the dead because uh, she has a bit of a girl crush on the Peter Parker. I mean, I understand it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, she started reading my, my Ultimate Spider-Man comic after that again. You know, she's got Spider-Man on the brain. And uh, I have not watched anything else. We've been just Stranger things it. Because I, th- the girl's on summer vacation, you know? And she's kind of an night owl, like her parents. I mean, God, she's she's like not even eight, and she likes sleeping until ten. And she's like awake. She's just doing that thing where she's just like, I'm kind of just drowsing. It's fine. I'm like, oh, you child. 
Although, do okay, we can't talk about season three. We can't talk. How about some reading, Robert? I see you got some reading done. Over on the Twitter, uh, I was I was palling around on the uh, the forgot my dice Twitter account, and I stumbled into this conversation with a lady who I she has a a Polish name, and I'm going to mess it up, and I didn't write it down, so I'd have to go look it up, and I apologize. But she was quite nice, and and you know, and then she mentioned that she just put her first English product out because she's done Polish products. She's literally from Poland, and I recognized her. I think she was on an episode of. Uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff because they went to some Polish convention that was held in a freaking castle. How badass nice. would that be? Yeah, right? See, that that's something you don't get in the United States because we just have a distinct lack of castles. Right? Right. Which is problematic. I feel like we should fix that. <laughs> so she did a game called Reimagined the Fanfic RPG, which is basically it's a it's an RPG for two where it it, it is what it's on the wrapper. You're supposed to take something that exists and just kind of do a role-playing thing where you sort of extend it or do an alternative, you know, take on it or whatever. It's kind of like Microscope. It, it's kind of, it's not like a, a rule set. It's more like a framework to tell a, a, a story about, with, you know? Yeah. But but I liked what I read. It was it was very clever. There were, there were some clever bits because there's, there's random tables based off of stuff and you're just supposed to try to integrate it. But I, And at first I was like, why do you need these random tables? Blah, blah, blah. I'm a great actor. But then I was thinking about it. I'm like, wait, no, you do need some tables to sort of like give you direction because it tells you to go like do this, do that, do that other thing, you know? And I, I just, I, I don't know, it was clever. And she released the first expansion for it recently called uh, A Game of Dragons which is just the Game of Thrones variant of it with all the, the numbers filed off. And she can't say it's Game of Thrones for, you know, legal reasons, but it, it's the Game of Thrones <laughs> update for that game. And, uh, yeah, she advertised it's like, you know, are you a little upset that your show, your favorite show ended the way or ended in a way you didn't like? Why don't you just buy this and then you can uh, fix that. And I'm like, that's that's clever. But anyway, yeah, I read that. It's it. Sun Drive Through RPG is three bucks. Uh, if it sounds remotely interesting to you, go get it because I I thought it was clever. It was in a very microscope vein in a good way. So there you go. No reading for me, unfortunately. But how about we move along to video games? Uh, have you played anything? Just two things. Um, I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends season two because it just started. I love the changes that they made. Uh, they did a lot of weapons balancing stuff, and they added some buffs uh, to some of the lower grade weapons, making them much more competitive than they previously were. Didn't they add a new character? And they add a new character, Watson, who is awesome. She is probably one of the hardest characters to play correctly because she's ultra defensive. She can lay electrified walls that act as not only a motion sensor, but also do a mild amount of damage and slow somebody down when they're running. Hmm. And she can also post up a a little spinning thing that charges everybody's shields, but it also uh, blows up any incoming projectiles that are not bullets. Oh, weird. Okay. So if somebody tosses a grenade at it, a little arc of electricity pops out and explodes the grenade in midair where it does no no damage. Huh. She's really tough to play well, but once you get her going, especially with a very cooperative squad, it, it can make a team ultra effective from a defensive standpoint. I like it. I like playing tanky characters like that. Yeah, so she's a, she was a puzzle to figure out, but once you figure her out, she's fantastic. Hmm, okay. And I see you've been playing Battlefront 2 somewhere? Yeah, I think we talked about that last episode. I, I, I dug it out of the archives and started playing it again, and uh, it's been kind of nice. We have two Xbox Live accounts, and uh, I've been playing with uh, Carlos and Lincoln and uh, Chloe. All three of them have kind of been taking turns playing some of the uh, the Battlefronts. So I'll play with them, and that's that's really fun for me. I really enjoy that. That's cool. How about you on the video game front? Uh, so the Dragon Quest Builders 2 demo came out, which was a little disappointing, partly because they, they basically the demo is the to learn how to play tutorial, uh, which in that game is you wake up on a ship and they just like, you know, it's like, go here, pick up the stuff, move it around. And they teach you the basic controls, but you don't really get to build anything. And then you get marooned on a desert island and there's a little bit of plot there. But then at the end of it, when you're going to go, you know, get fun stuff to build with, uh, they tell you, oh, you're done. And I just wish they'd kind of like just given you some, you know, a smattering of stuff to just try to build things out of just to kind of because it just yeah, there wasn't a lot there to do because the hammer you get in the demo, it can like bust up sand. Although it's cute. Uh, there's like this uh, internal Instagram thing called like the notice board or something. But you can upload your screenshots into the sort of Dragon Quest 2 Builders cloud. 
and look at things. And so like there's, and, and it connects to the Japanese version of the game, which is interesting. So there's like a lot of pictures of people with the full release over in Japan building, you know, stuff, which is interesting because, uh, even though it's like vaguely European fantasy, like Jap- Japanese people definitely have a slightly different aesthetic than, than, you know, Europeans or whatever people in the West would. And so their fantasy stuff just looks a little different than I think like anything I w- I've seen out here, you know, which is kind of cool. They like plants. They put plants everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But yeah, I, but that's been, been kind of neat because they, they just do things that, you know, you wouldn't think about. And it, you know what I mean? Like, like Final Fantasy games and stuff like that, like the castles and stuff have this weird, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just not something somebody out here would do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's a different, it's a different, slightly different mindset, and and it's cool, it's cool looking at. And then, and then they let us scum off the internet, play this free demo, and you can post to that message board thing off the free demo. And they have like a contest of the week, so the current contest of the week is just what have you been able to make in the demo? And so people have made like sandcastles and some other cute stuff, which has been fun to look at. Um, but there are a lot of inappropriate pictures in there. <laughs> No, really? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The internet? Never. Uh, Unfortunately, one of the problems is, um, so you get these gloves, which are a new addition to it, where you don't have to like destroy things to pick them up. Like Minecraft, you can actually just pick one up with your hands and place it, you know? So like in the first game, if you like put a chair down and you screwed up, you'd have to like break it put it back in your inventory and then place it down again. And these gloves mean your character just picks it up over their head and then you can push a button to rotate it. So you don't have to like target it correctly, which was another problem in the first game that they, they fixed, which is nice. But if there's nothing in range for you to pick up, what your character does instead is this kind of awkward pelvic thrust with their hands out, which, you know, you do that behind characters and then you can change characters expressions to surprised. And there you go. You, there's a lot of pictures of that. <laughs> a lot of, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, ah, uh, yeah. uh. no, <laughs> I've been seeing some cool features though. Cause like one of the things you can do is uh, you can post your Island for people to visit and you can't like, break anything but you can go there and poke around and that's rad i didn't know that was coming in dragon quest builders too so that's something to look forward to and uh, assuming this stays in I-, I should be able to like beam over to you know japanese players islands which is really interesting you know so it'll be really cool when the game comes out because you know suddenly this whole other vibe will enter into the game and then you know maybe we'll start like feeding on each other and making like a delicious sauce out of all of our weirdness which will be fun to fun to play at oh yeah because you know i'm sure that the internet won't be posting sauce of some sort well the people who actually have the game they post different stuff because i mean on one hand it's the free demo there the barrier for entry is very low (laughs) to post inappropriate pictures and you can just filter those out with the people who actually have the release which i'm assuming will kind of put a stop to some of that hopefully hopefully <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 keep you you have a hope for the internet that i do not share yeah well whatever uh i my buddy because it's on sale on steam actually i'd really recommend this for you he got me a game called halcyon six uh, have you heard of it no what's it about okay so it's kind of a sandbox rpg um in the vein of like uh, wing commander privateer although it's done in, it's done in like 16-bit pixel art and it's basically star trek privateer in pixel art. Uh, they can't call it Star Trek for legal reasons, obviously, but the beginning of the game, you are the uh, temporary commander of the station Halcyon 6, which is an ancient precursor artifact that the Federation, which they actually just straight up call it the Federation, which is hilarious, um, are studying. The Federation of Star Systems as opposed to the Federation of Planets? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And it's just some artifact that they found that they're trying to get working again. And it's all junked up and it's full of monsters and stuff. And, and they've got like the core of the station working, but blah, blah, blah. Um, one of the cool things this, the space station seems to be able to do is it basically has a 3D ship printer on it. So you can build starships very fast, <laughs> which it comes in handy. Um, so at the beginning of the game, weirdness happens at Earth. The, the fleet takes off because they get a call to take off. And basically, it's not the Borg. It's like these bug things just wipe out the Federation and turn Earth into like a bug breed, breeding planet, I guess. That's what they think is going on there. Yummy. And so you, as the temporary, now permanent, because there's no one else left, commander of Halcyon 6, um, since you've got the groovy space station that can make new ships, you are kind of in charge of the Federation now. And so you're kind of rebuilding and dealing with, I think they're called the Chul. 
there's like uh, at the beginning of the game, space pirates show up and then there's a couple different alien races that show up. There's uh, the totally not Klingons um, who seem to have revolutions every couple of years and new governments. And so the, the, mem- the ambassador of the new government comes and introduces herself to you. And uh, yeah, she's just totally not Klingons. And then the funny part was uh, the, there's Borg. And it's funny because as the Borg ship approaches or the, the totally not the Borg ship approaches, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, the, they're they're You know, the sentient AI program is is evil and, and it likes destroying all life and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, and they get you all freaked out because they, they totally make you think it's the Borg. And then it shows up and it's like, hey, how are you doing? I'm the f- representative of I don't remember what the race is called. It seems like you guys are having some problems. I just wanted to come on over and just reintroduce ourselves. And, and you can go like, uh, what's up with your voice? He's like, oh, I'm trying out a new interaction protocol. I think you'll like it. I'm having a great time. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's just the evil Borg. But they're totally like affable Borg, which is hilarious. And, and <laughs> that sounds like the name of a great band. Affable Borg. Affable Borg, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, the game's, the game's super cute, and it, it kind of reminds me of Star Trek Online because they have ground combat and ship combat, but the combats are like JRPG turn-based style. Um, kind of like Battle Chasers, actually, because there's an initiative tracker at the bottom, so you can see who's coming up first, although, like, maneuvers don't bump you ahead. At least they haven't yet. Um, they just, you know, go, you, you, they go off, and then they have, like, a cool down if they're cool and awesome and some and some things you can use them and then it takes a couple turns for them to cool down and some things you can't use them for a couple turns because they have i I think it's called prep or something like that but it's a cool game it's very sandboxy and and they kind of just throw you in it (laughs) um like the whole beginning where you're dealing with the space pirates is kind of the tutorial but i'm i i keep like being petrified that i'm making poor decisions which sucks you know because it it, they do kind of just like throw you into it because you know it's a little company and and it's it's sandboxy you just kind of have to like learn by doing and then probably start the game over again because you screwed up which i've already done once but yes (laughs) hey as long as you're having fun right yeah, no, it's a really great game, uh, and it's it's really cheap right now, Jonathan. You should you should just get it. I, th- I think you'd like it. It's it's really easy to kind of tune in and out from because you you can um, they have like galactic time and you can just pause it. And so like if you're working and you you know you're waiting for something or you know you got a few minutes, you can you know jump into it and play it for a few minutes and then jump out and walk away because it's turn based. You know, even if you're in the middle of combat, it's still turn based. If it's your if it's your turn, it'll just stay there until you do a command. Oh, that's kind of cool. So yeah, check it out. It's it's called Halcyon Six. It's on Steam right now. It's a part of the Steam sale, and it's stupidly cheap. I think it's like three bucks or five bucks, and worth worth it, worth every penny. Other than that, I've been continuing to play uh, the Spider Man game on PlayStation. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it when I got it from the library, and then I really didn't enjoy it when I got it a month and a half later because I forgot what I was doing. But being able to pick it up and play it, you know. Uh, every so often when I want to change the pace is, is a good time. And also I, I get to do the thing I like doing, which is exploring because when I had the library, it's like, I don't want to waste time. I got to plow through this, but now that it's my game, I get to go like, I'm just going to go look around and take pictures and blah, whatever. I don't care, <laughs> which is nice. So yeah, I'd highly recommend that game too. Anyway, that's it. That's all I've been playing. Like I said, just in the holding pattern, waiting for Dragon Quest Builders 2 to come out, which it will on Friday, 8am. How very exciting for you. It, it is. All right, Jonathan, you're a Stranger Things fan. Do you know what Baskin Robbins 31 Flavors is doing with Stranger Things right now? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, well, they converted one of their Burbank locations to Scoops Ahoy. Shut up. <laughs> yes. Shut up. Shut yes. your mouth. Yes. There's a real Scoops, Scoops Ahoy? There's a real Scoops Ahoy. If you've not watched Stranger Things 3 yet, this is not much of a spoiler. Uh, Steve gets a job at the mall at Scoops Ahoy, which is an ice cream shop. Done. Um, but yes, it, I think it's the Burbank location. <laughs> the USS Butterscotch. <laughs> yes. Yes, I had that. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But all of the 31 Flavors locations have Stranger <laughs> Things tie, tie in right now. And Jonathan. stop laughing. Jonathan, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, oh my God, Jonathan, you have, you have no idea. Okay. So first things first. So we went there. I finally, I, we, I'm like, I got to have me this. Cause I, I forgot how much I like stranger things. And we started watching stranger things three. And I'm like, you know what? I need to get me some of this ice cream now because I need to like have the tie in. Cause I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, Jonathan. So they've got three flavors of ice cream right now, which I had two of, uh, I, I had the USS butterscotch, which is a, a flavor from the show, which is why it kind of sounds different compared to the other two. In the show, it's not a flavor. It's like a whole Sunday, and they even have like Jonathan. I'll get to that. Shh, I'll get to that. So, butter. It's butter. Me some USS butterscotch. Uh, it's butterscotch ice cream with butterscotch pieces and toffee. It tastes like butterscotch. It was okay. They have a flavor called Eleven's Heaven, which was much better. It's waffle flavored ice cream, 
with sugar cone chocolate dipped pieces and a chocolate icing ribbon. That was delicious. The one I didn't get, uh, which I really want to try, was upside down pralines, which is just pecan pralines uh, with chocolate instead of vanilla. But that sounds really good. <laughs> so I want that. Also, Jonathan, speaking of the, the USS Butterscotch Sunday, they sell that. You can get it. I would buy the hell out of that. Yeah, it's there. I don't even it's like butterscotch. I just want it. Yeah, with the sa- with the, the waffle cone sailing thing. Yeah, you can buy it. You can buy that right there. Um, they've got a lemonade vanilla, uh, a lemonade freeze uh, uh, thing. They've got uh, the buyer's house lights, which is uh, it's like the, the lights from the first season made out of M&Ms on a cookie cake. Uh, they got various ice cream cakes that are emblazoned with it, and you can buy um, uh, a special Funko Pop Steve and uh, some, you know, other assorted merchandise, including shirts and whatnot. And if any of our listeners live in the UK, apparently there is a Scoops Ahoy ice cream ship roaming around the UK selling ice cream. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. Why is that not here? I don't know because we have the 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 scoops of Hoyne Burbank and all the thirty one flavors. I guess they don't. Yeah, because you know the United States isn't a ginormous country or anything. Certainly, putting it in one city. It's in every thirty one flavors miles away from me. Is every. Is, th- so what would you rather have? Would you rather go down to your local 31 Flavors or just like watch the internet to see if the, the Scoops Ahoy sailing ship is in your neighborhood? I mean, come on. Um, I mean, honestly, like why didn't they rebrand every store? Because signage is expensive? No, because 31 Flavors is the stupidest name for a company ever. And Scoops Ahoy is so much better and it should just be completely changed for life. <laughs> Oh, and they also have a uh, they have a Demogorgon Sunday, which is this weird waffle cone that has like kind of the Demogorgon's face, and then it's a uh, strawberry ice cream <laughs> like in the center. The big mouth, the- yeah, the big mouth, yeah. And then it's strawberry ice cream with strawberry like syrup on top, which is all bloody because it's like opening its mouth and eating you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yes, go to Thirty One Flavors. It's so worth. Why? What? Again, I ask why? Why are we not enjoying all this everywhere? You can. It's at your 31 flavors. There's one like five same. minutes from your house. It's it's five minutes from your house. It's over by the movie but theater. But it does say Scoops Ahoy on the door. And Actually, it does sailing. say the one I went to had a sticker on the door that said Scoops Ahoy or, Scoops Ahoy or something and, and all the tie-ins. It's just they didn't do, do the overhead signs and they didn't redo the uniforms and the wallpaper. But you can go put your head in and pretend you're Steve. Huh? Because they have a cutout. They had a cutout of mine. beautiful hair, though. Well, no, but it, you can use his hair because it's a cutout. You know, one of those like fun picks. Do it, man. Do it. God, now I really want to wrap this up out of 31 flavors. Then, then, okay, let's get the board games, son. Let's make this happen. All right. Well, on the board games. Jonathan, I played nothing. Go. <laughs> well played. Well, I got a chance to sit down and play uh, Star Wars Outer Rim. You know, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to, to, to pick that up. I'm going to say this right now. It's not nearly as complicated as, uh, say, uh, Star Wars Rebellion is, but this may be the single most thematic and easy to approach Star Wars hobby game I've ever played. And I love it and I want more of it. And I'm going to just stop there because I think we're going to have to deep dive it. Groovy. Question, because I, I, I want to know this because I'm interested in this game. Because like you play different characters like Hondo or Hondo. Wow, Hondo. that was like Han Solo what and is Lando. Swat? Is it yeah, Swat the game? No, I like mashed it together. I mashed Han Solo and Lando together. I like word saladed it. Sorry, you play like Han Solo and do you Lando. Play Han or do you play Han? Whatever. No, that's care. the best. That's the that's the best part of Lando and and uh, Han and uh, Solo movies when he keeps calling him Han just to piss him off anyway but you play those characters they have like very different goals in life without getting too much into detail because i really do want to deep dive it essentially um your narrative through the game is different every time and you do all uh most of the characters do have personal goals things that they're trying to accomplish that makes them better and what's cool is when you do a personal goal you actually flip your your identity card over and you become like a more powerful version of yourself because you have more renown the whole game is based around picking up fame Okay, okay, that, I, that's all I wanted to know. I want to know if everybody had individualized goals because that would make sense. Okay, that was my question. We can deep dive that. Let's move on. I also had a chance to sit down and play 5-Minute Dungeon, and I think I talked about 5-Minute Marvel at Gen Con last year, didn't I? That sounds familiar. Yeah, so this is the original, which is 5-Minute Dungeon, and in 5-Minute Dungeon, you um, essentially, everybody plays a different character. They're all kind of D&D tropes. And each of those characters has a hand of cards, and everybody has a different mix of five different symbols. 
you've got a, a timer that's mercilessly ticking down from five minutes down to zero, and you have a series of cards that require different quantities of um, of these symbols to you know quote unquote overcome. So it's like a shark with man legs or something like that. <laughs> it could have like an axe and a run symbol and, um, and, you know, everybody discusses around the table as quickly as possible and starts throwing down. I have an axe and I have a run symbol. And the whole the whole concept is to try and make uh, or d- to try and get through as many enemies as possible and to get to the final boss who has like a ridiculous number of cards that, that you need to burn to get through. And, um, yeah, that's, that's essentially it. It's just a mad speed run of throwing down cards and matching stuff. And what's nice is it's, it's really approachable. It has good art. The kids love it. They, they think it's a blast, especially with the timer. It gets really chaotic really quick. And we had a lot of fun with it. And I picked it up for 15 bucks. And for 15 bucks, honestly, you'd be hard pressed to find a more fun party game. Nice. And finally, I had a chance to play Pandemic Rapid Response. And I'll leave it at that because that is, in fact, our game that we're deep diving today. I also, coincidentally, when I picked up Pandemic uh, Rapid Response, I also picked up the new Jaws game. They have a Jaws game? Yes, it's from Ravensburger. If you recall, they did a Jurassic Park game not too long ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I have not uh, read through the instructions yet completely, but from what I read, this looks genuinely fun. And and people online have been playing it, and they are are speaking very highly of it. So I have a feeling we're going to be playing some Jaws soon. Do you want to know a, a Stranger Things fun fact? Yeah, what you got? Uh, Sheriff Hopper's and his deputies' uniforms are based off of the uniforms from Jaws, the police uniforms. That's awesome. Yep. That actually is so thematically correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> I read that the other day. There's no situation where there's too much Stranger Things. <laughs> no spoilers. Move on. No, Wait. I'm just going to say that the, the... No, no, we're not going to talk about this more because I'm going to want to talk about this more and we're going to wait a few episodes. So let's the just go. The writing has just been very consistent from season to season and I have continued to enjoy it and it's been lovely. Okay, we're move on. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment, which means Scoops Ahoy indeed, my friends. It's time for a quick break and when we return, it'll be time for our Wisdom of Crowds. Sail on the seven seas of yumminess. What was it? Yar, they be flavors in them there oceans. <laughs> you be needing a bowl full of flavor. <laughs> I need to do their marketing. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back. It's now time for our Wisdom of Crowds, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. Or, as I'm now going to officially call it this week, the bi-weekly tumbleweed segment. Yeah, well, we're like, what, a <laughs> month out from Gen Con? <laughs> yeah, this is the, uh, this is the, the, the calm before the, the proverbial storm. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, even after Gen Con, there's not a lot of news because everybody brings out everything. Usually after Gen Con, it's like, this is now available at retail. And it's like, yay, that's fun, too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, everything's been announced, you know, in, unless you're like D&D or one of the companies that's just too big for Gen Con. You don't have much to show off. So I guess it's going to be like what uh, Wizards and, and Fantasy Flight news for the rest of the year for a while. Well, first up, I've got Serious Pulp is bringing out uh, both a new edition of the seventh continent and a new game. Go on. Um, <clears throat> or is that it? Is it just new game? Dot, dot, Let dot. me see if they got any more. Hold on. Oh my gosh. That was it. Wow. 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 That's the, the tumbleweed noise. Wow. Wow. All we've gotten so far is a teaser image. And oh, my. That's it. It's currently wow. being called The Future. 
I told you, you tumbleweeds, my friend, tumbleweeds. On to on to yours. Privateer Press recently had their Lock and Load 2019, uh, big convention-y thingy. And uh, yeah, they sort of announced slash teased a new game coming, who knows, maybe next Lock and Load? Who knows? Uh, called Warcaster Neo Mechanica. It's a new tabletop miniatures game set in the distant future of the Iron Kingdoms. And it will have a completely new rule set. You will make your own Warcaster. And I don't know why they call them casters because they go on to explain that they will not use magic, but they will use quotes, something else, end quote. And it was basically a teaser. It ties in pretty heavily to their current storyline going on in the uh, War Machine Inferno box set, which is way too detailed to get in here. But yes, new game. Probably next year from uh, Privateer Press, it, uh, a sci-fi one where you make your own character, which will be fun and different, which will be fun. We have a winner for the 2019 Kinderspiel de Jahr. Mm. The winner was Tal Dale, or pardon me, Tal der Wickinger. <laughs> Not an English release, I take it. Not yet. It's from Hab- Haba Games, and it's uh, actually translates to Valley of the Vikings. I know somebody who's going to get that based on the name alone. It's looking good. Thy uh, name is Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan loves Vikings. Yeah, but I don't know. That might be a little out of this age group. So, so you know, Hobbit Games, they, Jonathan, they specialize primarily children. in children. But this children. is aimed at six and, and you know, six and up. So I, I don't know. Might Here's the problem. These games are aimed at at, uh, households that don't have parents like me that are forcing complicated games on their kids. Because I played I played Star Wars Outer Rim with uh, with with Lincoln, who's well, Amelia is the youngest now, but he's the the youngest of the the original four. But now he's just one of those sad middle children. Yep, he's in the middle. Everybody's always talking about Carlos. Carlos, Carlos, Carlos. (laughs) Yeah, those days are coming. So uh, there is more information available for both from Haba's website and uh, I believe Dice Tower did a nice write-up on the on the game. So go t- take a look. But yes, that was the winner of the Kinderspiel de Jahr. And World has announced the Emmy nominations for 2019. Uh, there are way too many things for us to get into, so we will skip it. But voting should be soon for that, so I will put a link in the show notes if that opens up before... Oh, let's be fair. No, I'm not. I'll be playing Dragon Quest Builders too, so never mind. And just just throwing this out here, I, I threw my hat in the ring to be a judge of the 2020 awards, so go vote for me or something. I don't even know how it works. I just did it because, yeah, because I could. <laughs> because Tuesday. Yeah, because, yeah, why not? Go vote for me well, or something. I don't know. If you know me and you know uh, my likes, then you'll know why this is exciting. New Mansions of Madness expansion. On the way. The Path of the Serpent. This is three new scenarios, four new investigators, new tiles, new all, new everything. Fun. And you're going to be uh, fighting the Serpent's Curse, which would make that who? Uh, Yog, right? Uh, the Serpent Men, yeah. yeah. Yig, Yig. So there you go. More information coming soon. You can uh, see a whole write-up on it at fantasyflight.com. There you go. And then finally, a new game for Harry Potter fans. The Op has announced Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising. It's a cooperative card and dice game based on the fifth film, or book, depending on what you prefer. And um, it's scheduled to arrive in stores this fall. Yeah, so you uh, you put together a team of allies from the Order of the Phoenix, um, and you face off against the growing power of the Dark Lord. Pretty much standard Harry Potter stuff, and it's all going to be co-op deck building, so that's kind of cool. Agreed. Their last Harry Potter game's gotten a lot of love. What was the last Harry Potter game? I don't the know. Harry Potter deck builder that they put oh. out. I know a lot of people that have that. They love it. And that brings us, of course, to our year in the life, Robert. We have 365 seconds to dredge up the past and wallow in it. And what did we talk about a year ago? Forgot My Dice episode 44, Moving Sucks. We reviewed nothing because Moving Moving Sucks. And look at this. Moving Sucks so badly that one year after you did it, it's rearing up its ugly head and making itself known once more. I can't believe I've been here for a year. That's weird. I mean, I, I in the house. I can't believe you've been in Oregon as long as you have. I'm not happy about that. 
I'm sorry. I mean, I'm happy that you're in Oregon. It seems like a cool place. I'm just not happy that you're not here in the room. Yeah, yeah, I miss you. I miss a lot of things about Texas. Well, sadly, because moving sucks so badly, that's the end of our segment, uh, which means it's time for another quick break. And when we return, we'll be diving deep into the world of pandemic rapid response. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our deep dive. And on tonight's episode, we dive into the world of pandemic, but in a very different way. Because instead of looking at pandemic, we're looking at pandemic rapid response. Disaster has struck. Cities around the world are in desperate need of food, water, vaccines, and other supplies. You and your team belong to the Crisis Response Unit, CRU. An elite team of doctors and specialists. With a specially equipped plane, you are uniquely capable of providing life-saving aid anytime, anywhere. Pandemic rapid response is a race against time. Roll dice to create supplies, fly the plane, and make deliveries to cities in need. As the timer counts down, you must quickly coordinate and work together to react to new disasters. Will you and your team be able to respond in time? That was fun to read. I had a good time. It sounded like it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for letting me do that. 67 episodes in, and I think we just peaked. Maybe we can do better next time. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. This is the Marvel MCU after Endgame right here. I don't know, man. Friggin' uh, Spider-Man's been getting that 94% uh, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just being contrary. You ignore me. Ignore me! You? Surely not. So Jonathan, tell me how this game plays. Alrighty. Well, let's talk a little bit about rapid response. First thing you're going to do is you're going to toss out the game board. And the game board is basically the interior of your airplane. It's basically, it, it, what it is, is it's a series of rooms. And those rooms correspond to a bunch of the stuff that you need to deliver around the world to different cities to cure them of their woes. Man, that is a sweet plane. Right? I am looking at images of it. That's like the plane from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Jeez. Yeah, it's based off the Anatov and something 60, I think, Condor. Whatever, man. That's a cool plane. I like it. All right. So on the plane, there are five different types of supply rooms. uh, And those are medical supplies, power, fresh water, inoculations, and food. So those are the five different supplies that you'll need. And what will happen is you'll get uh, city cards that pop out. And each of them has a different combination of those supplies that you will need. Those five rooms each have a series of cubes placed in them, and those cubes represent the, the finished supplies that you have procured uh, that will then get moved into the, the cargo bay at the back of the plane. And the cargo bay is important because there's a limited number of slots in there that you can put stuff into. And eventually, when you get to one of the cities that needs help, you'll be able to offload your supplies from the cargo bay into that city, therefore removing that city from the game and uh, having saved it. And then you need to move on to another city. In addition to that, Whenever you create supplies, uh, waste is generated. And so there's a room that lets you recycle that waste, uh, and that needs to be manned and operated by one of the folks in the airplane. Finally, there's a command center at the front of the plane that players really don't go into. uh, And the reason why is because that's where new cards are drawn uh, and time is kept. Because this game takes place entirely in real time. It's very frantic. So on your turn, you get dice, uh, and you roll those dice and you look at the, the results and you start to do things. So the first thing you can do is you can assign dice to one of those specific supply rooms. And by assigning a die to that room, it starts to fill up different slots on different bays in the room. And depending on how many dice you put in those slots, you get different quantities of the supplies that you need to complete the cities. So for instance, in the power room, the first slot needs three dice committed to it to even begin the process and get a single cube's worth of, uh, of power out of the room. But if you commit a fourth die, you actually change that from one cube to two cubes and a fifth die from two cubes to three cubes. 
And what's really uh, kind of interesting is the first bay is three dice in a single bay. That means that one player has to commit three die to that room on their turn uh, for it to, to basically register the, the commitment of those supplies. But each of the bays afterwards is only a single die. So from a risk versus reward position, somebody's going to have to commit three of their dice and may not get them back right away. Because once you lock a die in place into a room, you will not get it back until somebody enters that room and activates the machine to create the the supply that you need. And then and only then are the dice returned to their original owners. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's assigning dice. The other thing that you can do, of course, is move. You can burn a die to move around the the airplane uh, because, again, moving takes time. And when you do that, you can move from room to room on the plane, and you can also do an action for activating a room. And when you activate it, you're, that's when you're creating supplies and moving them to the hangar bay. Finally, if you get a specific symbol on the die, you uh, have the ability to fly. It's the airplane symbol. And that's when you're moving a tiny miniature of your airplane around the edge of the board to the different cities. And some of these cities can sometimes be pretty well spread out. So you need to balance out, do I make supplies or do I move my plane? And you also have to take into account what you've been lucky enough to roll. Now, the game does have a Yahtzee-style mechanic where if you don't like your roll initially, you do get two up to two re-rolls on your turn trying to find the results that you want. Question. Yes. <clears throat> I'm looking at the board, and the different cities have different colors on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, do those mean anything? They're just groups, groups of cities. They're grouped together by geographical uh, location. It's kind of like it's kind of like the the cities in uh, in the other pandemics all share kind of coloriz- colorization. Group. Okay, so can you fly from like any blue city to any blue city, or how does how does moving around the board work? Well, when you when you commit a die, that lets you move your airplane one space, and that is one space to the left or one space to the right, and you have to travel the cities in the order that they are presented to you on the board. You cannot change that. So if you get lucky and you have two cities that are next to each other, then you're in good shape. Then you can commit dice to, um, uh, to, to getting supplies rather than committing dice to movement, uh, which burns a die and doesn't let you get anything from it other than moving the jet. Okay. Now, there's a sand timer that comes with the game, right? And when you start play, you, you activate the sand timer, and then you just keep going around turn after turn after turn until the sand timer runs out. And at that point, you have to look in your headquarters. And if you have time tokens left, you can cash one in to get another flip of the sand timer and continue play. And you continue to do this with no breaks, the only break being when the sand timer runs out and you're forced to pause the game. Now, you can change the number of time tokens you have based on the difficulty level of the game. And when you solve a city, you are actually given another time token. You're basically buying yourself a little time to, st- to keep fighting the good fight. So the real-time aspect really kicks in hard because it gets very frantic very quick. So what happens when time runs out? If time runs out completely and you have no time tokens left, you're done. Mm. If time runs out and you do have time tokens left, you can't discuss any tactics while time is paused, and you simply um, prepare yourself for doing the next move, flip the sand timer, remove one of the time tokens, and continue on. Uh, Okay, it's a commercial break. Yeah, kind of. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> well, in a time game, you, you need to be able to pause it so people can go pee, man. It's, it's a problem. I mean, I'll tell you what. We played a bunch of this, and with three players, there was never a game that went more than about 15 minutes in real time. So what's the end game? What, what are you trying to achieve? Well, the end game state is all going to be based on um, what difficulty that you have chosen. Because when you choose a difficulty level... The first thing you're going to do is flip a couple of cities and put them up uh, right at the beginning of the game. And that's all done randomly from a deck of cards, right? Each of the cities are going to have different needs. And uh, where those cities are on the board is going to be completely randomized by a shuffle. You're also going to, again, depending on the difficulty level, place a couple cities face down in the headquarters. And whenever time runs out for the first couple of time tokens, you also put another city out on the board. Oh, Okay. Therefore, lengthening the game and lengthening the number of things that you have to go get. Yeah, that's kind of the the end game is clear all the cities in the deck and clear everything on the board and, uh, you know, do it before you run out of time. Okay, so it's just you either win or you lose. If you run out of time, you're done and you lose if you haven't cleared everything. Yeah, yeah, it's just like Pandemic. Okay. Sorry, I'm just looking at this board on Board Game Geek. I'm digging the plane. 
Yeah, no, the, the, the art's really good. I mean, it's, it's classic pandemic stuff. So how do you, when you move around the plane, do you, do you can you only move so far? Cause it, yeah, it depends on how many dice that you, you commit to moving. Oh. When you commit a die to movement, you can no longer commit it to procuring a resource. So that means that of your six dice, you have to balance out what you want to do. Do I need to move in the plane? I'm going to burn some dice. Now, this becomes particularly interesting because when you put dice down, you don't get them back right away. You don't get them back until somebody runs into that room, activates the room, and the resource is created. Then and only then, after um, the amount of waste is determined, and waste is determined by a roll of all the dice committed to the resource and whatever comes up with that has a circle on it, uh, and you'll see that in the iconography, Yeah, that um, forces a recycling track up. And at some point, somebody's going to need to go into the recycling room, commit dice to that, and then activate it to bring that track back down. Because if you generate too much waste, you're over. Game over. Hmm. Interesting. And so looking at the uh, the dice room, so there's the blue and the red at sort of the front of the plane. And what's that room in the center, the white one? The white one's the vaccine room. Okay. That's where you're making vaccine. Okay. And then there's the yellow and the green. I'm taking it the green is the recycling no, uh, the green room is food. Okay. And then to the right of the green room is the recycling center. And then finally the cargo bay at the very tail end of the plane. Oh, that's the recycling room. Uh, okay. 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 And you see how the, there, there's different um, tracks for the dice. And yeah. Some yeah. of them have more than one die um, per level. That means that you have to commit all those as an individual player on the same turn. You can't just partially commit them. And that's interesting. Like to get stuff out, you have to actually like physically move through the boat. And if you're up front, you got to move quite a bit. Yeah. 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 But you have to be, you have to be in the different rooms to do the different actions. In fact, you have to have somebody in the cargo bay and to activate the cargo bay to, um, to complete a city. So even then you're still having to commit dice to moving around, uh, moving them around the, the plane to get them into position to complete the city. Huh? Yeah. That's weird. That, that does sound a lot like pandemic, but not, <laughs> Like yeah, it. you know what? That's one of my favorite things about this game is it has a distinct pandemic flavor, even though from a mechanical standpoint, it doesn't share a thing. But it, it, the mechanics and the actions match the theme uh, well enough that they they you can tell they're from the same family, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's got the, the pandemic bouquet. I like it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So how is the rule book? Uh, the rule book was fine. I didn't have any major problems with it. And at, after one reading of the book, I was able to hop right in. We did have to do a little bit of checking on, on a few things, um, mostly just some kind of the, the, the little fiddly components of the rules that just take a little bit of getting used to. And what am I allowed to do and discuss? How, you know, at what point do I need to stop? Things like that. Um, and how, you know, how recycling works. But once you get those rules down, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun, actually frantic, but fun. So looking at the components that make it up, it looks like pandemic. I mean, we, you've got the, the plastic cubes of varying colors. I like the little, I like the little jet to- token. It's cute. Yeah. And then there's just a mess of dice. Uh, how many dice per player? You said six, six. Yeah. Everything looks nice from what I'm seeing. They got a little shimmer to them on the pictures I'm seeing, which is nice. Yeah, no, the components are really nice. It's kind of like a glossy finish on everything. Um, Everything looks beautiful. Anything not quite gelling right in the game? You know, especially with Pandemic, I'm I'm coming from a a world where I don't play a lot of real-time games. And so those first couple games are a little off-putting because it's basically going against all of your natural instincts to um, you know slow down, plan stuff out, and discuss the impact of decisions. You don't get that luxury here. You have no time. You must act. This is a game of actions and decisive actions. It's not a game of indecision and, and contemplation. How many players does this game take? Is it... it- or what's the recommended player count? Cause I, I actually haven't seen that. Does it say two to four? Does it say three to four? Recommended player count is two to four. Honestly, I don't see a scenario where, or a reason why you couldn't play this solo. There, there really is no reason you couldn't play it solo. It's, it, it would play just fine. So when you have like three players, does somebody just roll dice twice? No, no, that's the, that's the nice thing because of the way the game is designed. You can scale it to the appropriate number of players quite easily. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Because it doesn't matter how many players you have, realistically, right? Because it's all about the time. The time is what, what, what is controlling the difficulty. 
Oh, so if you have less players, you get more time? Yeah, you just get more roles. You get more opportunities to, to work. Okay, okay. Uh, any one last thing you want to say about the game, Jonathan, as we wrap this up? This game came as a surprise to me. I've played pretty much every Pandemic product on the planet at this point, and I've enjoyed them all, frankly. But the the thought of this one being a, a rapid, real-time dice game kind of didn't sit well with me uh, before I bought it. I bought it because it is a Pandemic game, and I have a deep love for that series. And I'm really, really glad I did. It is super, super fun. It's frantic. It's hectic. But people are always doing something. Um, the, the table talk is fantastic because everybody's trying to figure out where to dedicate resources. And every time you glance over at the sand timer and you see that time slipping away and you're looking at the game board trying to maximize what you're doing, it's it, it's a really wonderful stress, right? Like it, it's an extremely stressful sensation, but it's also very engaging and fun. I never was frustrated. So let me ask you this. In classic pandemic fashion, does the game hate you? It's tough. It is tough. Every game that we played that we managed to get to the end on, it was by the hair of our chin. It's a precariously balanced game. It's not going to be for everybody. If uh, a a rapid, fast-paced, real-time game does not sound uh, appealing to you at all, um, maybe this isn't for you. But if you're willing to give it a shot, I think you can have a lot of fun with it because I sure do. Okay, so that's Pandemic Rapid Response. It's available exclusively at Target here in the States. Oh, I didn't realize it was a Target exclusive. Yeah. That's where I bought it. Yeah, and then uh, they say on the website, international customers, uh, go ask your FLGS. Target, man. Target, yeah. They've been getting some good games. Bob Ross and now this. What the heck? <laughs> Don't forget Jaws. Jaws, I believe, is a Target exclusive. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But you haven't played that yet, so the jury's out. I'm intrigued, though. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 67 of the Forgot My Dice podcast, which means come join us on all of our digital domains and continue the conversation. We would love to hear from you. Robert, as always, I turn to you in the waning moments of the podcast, and I ask, any final thoughts? Yeah, I've been thinking about streaming Dragon Quest Builders, but the problem is most of the time when I play it, I wouldn't be able to talk because you probably don't want to hear me well, maybe you would want to hear my children talking to me and then getting into mischief and then me having to, you know, speak to them about their mischief. Although you would get to hear the adorableness of uh, of my son Miles coming up to me and said, oh, daddy, did I poops? And I go, I don't know, Miles. Did you poops? <laughs> and he goes like, let me check. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. There's poops. It's good times. It's good times. It's nice that we have the running commentary out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, it helps with kids. <laughs> you gotta love the <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so stanky. The poops. Yeah. Oh, my kids will drive me nuts sometimes. They will sit behind me when I'm playing a video game, and they will tell me all the things that I'm doing <laughs> in the game. Dad, you picked that up. Dad, you're moving. Dad, you went into that room. Yes, I know, son. I'm I'm playing it. I made the choice in my head. Made my fingers do the walking. Oh my gosh. You, you, uh, it's so weird. Like the boys are like remembering stuff now and it's weird because um, I, uh, I sat uh, Barry down to change his diaper and uh, he started like doing these weird things with his hands and then he sort of like put his palms like palm out to me and went like, yeah, like he was like throwing something at me and I realized what he was doing. He was doing the Zenyatta, you know? Like he was charging up Zenyatta balls and then hucking them all at me. You know, it was like five shot. <laughs> and here's the thing, Jonathan. I have not played Zenyatta in like a week, uh, at least four days, because the last time I played him was on Random Heroes, and I haven't done that in four days. And uh, and yeah, he remembered because he likes it. And what I did in response was I did the Moira hand back at him. I did the hurting hand. Like I'm like, Bleh! and I made that sound effect because it's appropriate. And you know what he did? He laughed. He got it. He's understanding these high concepts of imagination and it's so weird and he started giggling at far too yes <laughs> right. he's a man and he's already a man uh, yeah uh miles his favorite thing to do in the morning is watching videos of dogs getting spooked by their own farts because <laughs> that is always funny I, yes i'll be the first to admit that that is always funny yes yes children man children are weird it's weird watching them grow up. <laughs> There's never a moment where a dog getting spooked by its own fart is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs>
It's not basically a three-year-old on the inside. Whatever. <laughs> that's that's highbrow humor to my boy, man. That's high concept humor. Yeah, that's all <laughs> Just wait, man. Amelia's gonna do that someday. Amelia's gonna do that someday. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Well, then that leaves us with only one last thing, Robert. Be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 